Hello, Health Investor. Welcome to another episode of the Health Investment Podcast. Today, you're going to hear from Sarah Anslavar. Sarah is a registered dietitian nutritionist, certified intuitive eating counselor, and mom of two on a mission to help moms feel confident around food choices and in their bodies. In her private practice, she empowers busy moms to ditch diet rules and learn to eat to improve energy, reduce cravings, and support long-term health without counting or giving up their favorite foods. In the episode, Sarah discusses all of the ins and outs of intuitive eating. If you're liking this podcast, I'd be so grateful if you'd write a review and share it with a friend. Enjoy the episode. Simonson, Certified Nutrition Coach and your host of the Health Investment Podcast. If you're ready to look and feel your best without any confusion, frustration, or stress, you're in the right place. Each week, I interview experts and share no-nonsense, research-backed tips so that you can finally lose weight for good, eat healthy long-term, have the high energy you crave, and feel like a million bucks. I'm so happy you're here with me today. Don't forget to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Health Investment Podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Brooke. I'm excited to be here. I've been admiring the navy blue wall behind you. Oh, thank you. It's very pretty. <laughs> I, yeah, I um, I went a little bold in my office because I was like, we need a we, our house is very neutral, but we needed a pop of color somewhere, and there's actually quite a few windows in here. So yeah, it it's really yeah. beautiful. I your background is much more majestic and nice than with the trees <laughs> and everything in mine, which is my closet. So you can take a look at my summer dress your wardrobe love it (laughs) exactly exactly can you start off by telling us a bit about your background and specifically what led you to become a dietitian yeah so um as you said i'm a, a registered dietitian i'm also a certified intuitive eating counselor um i actually started my career off in something completely different um in an advert at an advertising agency, I spent some time doing advertising, brand work, communication. Um, super fun job, but wasn't my calling. And sort of was soul searching in my twenties and decided um, that I wanted to go back to school for nutrition. I think it was not something that I knew a, was a career path as a eighteen year old going into college, but um, it's certainly been a shift for me that I. 100% like still stand behind. I'm, I love it. Um, I started, but when I went back to school, what's interesting is that my career, even in dietetics has really morphed and, um, up into the last like five to six years, I would say, um, when I started in nutrition, I, you know, was in the typical dietetics curriculum where we're kind of taught, um, weight loss and like calories in versus calories out. And the focus is all on like, um, I went to a school that was really focused on obesity research and I was really engrossed in that and interested. Um, and 
went on to actually work in corporate wellness for a while, kind of in this like weight management paradigm of um, teaching people how to teaching groups in a sense in organizations, how to um, essentially try to eat less and move more. And it was an interesting um, situation for me because as a, in corporate wellness, you don't get a lot of feedback other than within those, you know, maybe 12 weeks you're working with people. So you might see kind of like some results and then um, it, it might teeter out and you get the same people who come back to this groups over and over again. But where I started to kind of really soul search on what I wanted to do in dietetics and how I ended up as an intuitive eating dietitian is um, I was doing some individual counseling as part of that job. And um, I just found that everybody I was working with was so frustrated. I was teaching them what I was taught. And even in the idea of like healthy balance, not diet culture um, approach, but they weren't getting the long-term results that they wanted. I felt like a failure. They felt like a failure. And I was like, mm, this isn't working. I don't think that maybe, maybe I'm not, I actually thought like, maybe I'm just not cut out to be a counselor, like one-on-one, -on -one. like maybe education is more my thing, or maybe I need to do something completely different in dietetics. Like I was like, this is, this is not for me. And so I went on to actually then spend more time in like even a more global corporate wellness role, um, doing communications for um, corporate offices and colleges and universities at a food company. And I actually really liked that. Um, but along the way, I kind of missed that like connection with individuals and like that, like one-to-one -one feedback. And um, also during that time, I, you know, I did a lot of like evaluating and reflecting on like, okay, I'm teaching people these things. Like I was teaching these clients that we were working with these things that like I was taught in school to teach, but none of it actually was how I ate hmm. or what made sense to me because I was like, okay, I'm telling you to count calories. I'm telling you to like up your movement in ways that like aren't sustainable. I'm telling you to um, like cut out these foods or focus on even like the balance plate method was taught in a way of like, okay, it's got to be so precise. Right. And like, this isn't like, this isn't how I eat. This isn't how like I was, I was very lucky to be raised in a family that like all foods kind of fit and like we, but healthy was a priority and I have a healthy relationship with food and don't get me wrong. I've done my fair share of diets over the years. Um, I'm not immune to diet culture, but it was, it was like this revelation that like, okay, something's not connecting, right? And during that time, I also found the Intuitive Eating Workbook or uh, book, read it and I was like, oh, there's another way to like teach people how to be healthy and take care of their bodies and really connect with food and still, like I said, like be healthy, eat healthy without following these restrictive rules. And so I you know, d dug deep into that, went um, and started working again one-on-one -on -one with clients and then was like, okay, this is where like the magic happens and this is really where my calling is. And, and so kind of the rest is history. Um, I know you asked specifically about moms and that I, you know, I started out in more of like a working with 
anyone who is interested in that approach. And I still would never turn away. You know, it's not like I don't work with men or don't work with people who don't have kids. But um, my love for working with moms really came when I had kids and realized how much pressure is on moms to eat a certain way, look a certain way. Um, do all this while you're supposed to be meal planning and meal prepping and taking care of your family and making like 10,000 meals a day because kids eat like all day long. <laughs> and the mental load of dieting and um, ta- and like trying to change your body added on top of the mental load of motherhood was like, okay, this is, this is a, a population I really want to help. And then the other side of it is that um, I really am passionate about like stopping this generational cycle of dieting mm-hmm. um, and helping raise children in a in a household that like celebrates all bodies, celebrates all foods, celebrates healthy eating, but also without restriction. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's sort of how I've come to. It was a long-winded way telling you about my my journey love, to being a intuitive eating dietitian for moms. I love hearing people's stories, so yeah. I I was riveted. So it's, yeah. you can talk as much as you want. We're here to learn from you, so it's yeah. totally fine. Can you explain your approach to intuitive eating? Because I think there's a lot of people on social media, you know, talking about intuitive eating, but I think everybody might have a little bit of a different take or approach. Yeah. So how? how do you approach this specifically? What does it mean to you and how is it different from traditional dieting? Yeah, that's a great question. I agree. There's a lot of different takes on intuitive eating out there and some misinformation about what intuitive eating is on, especially on social media. Um, but intuitive eating is kind of the foundation of all of the work that I do with my clients. My goal is ultimately to empower the women that I work with to reconnect with their own body cues uh, rather than relying on external rules like dieting or even what other people around them are eating. So what your husband's eating, what your girlfriend is eating, what your coworker is eating, to decide what, when, and how much you're going to eat. So um, there are these 10 principles of intuitive eating that help you sort of let go of diet rules, make peace with food, connect with your own hunger and fullness, satisfaction, respecting your body. Um, And then of course, a key one for me, gentle nutrition, you know, incorporating nutrition science. But it's really about giving the power back to the individual to be able to make choices that are right for their own body, their own health, um, and help them feel confident in their food choices. When someone comes to you, does that feel very scary if they've followed rules in the past and now it's kind of, we're going to get in tune with what's going on inside of you. Do people ever experience kind of pushback at first? Oh yeah. I mean, I hear a lot of, Ooh, I could never trust my body or to tell me what to eat. And if I don't have rules, how will I eat healthy? Um, or I will, if I let go of these rules, I'm just going to eat whatever I want, whenever, whatever I want, whenever I want. And that'll just be donuts all day long. Um, so there's a lot of fear around, um, really like trusting your own body because we've been told by diet culture that we shouldn't trust our bodies, that we need 
to be controlling and regulating everything that goes in our body. And in order to control that, you need to have rules around eating. So that's what we've been told, right? Um, But what the research shows and what I've seen in my practice is that actually those rules might be what's holding you back from achieving optimal health in the end and might be what's keeping you stuck in a cycle of um, restriction and then binging or feeling out of control around food and really like never let it, being able to let yourself enjoy the foods that you enjoy. Um, and when we actually make peace with foods and, um, start to incorporate all of the principles of intuitive eating. So not just letting go of diet rules, that's just one principle, right? So that's a really key piece, but it's just one part of it all. Um, and start to really like unlearn. So a key piece for me is not just like letting go of the diet rules, but unlearning those beliefs that we've been told. Um, and that maybe you've believed since you were a kid because you grew up in a, with a mom or a dad who, or both who dieted their whole adult life and maybe still is dieting. Um, so unlearning a lot of those beliefs and then allowing yourself to really relearn how to eat and how to connect with your own body and actually eventually trust your body. But yeah, so much fear around, around letting go of those rules for sure. If you had to say a percentage that's mindset, what would you say? What percentage would you say is mindset when it comes to adopting any of the habits, you know, food, movement, sleep, how much, how much is the habits themselves and how much is your mindset around them? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, it's, it is a little bit dependent on the person and life situation, but for most people, I would say, probably like 80% mindset, 20% like the structure around how do we make this happen in my, with my individual situation. Yeah. Which is just so crazy to think about of our thoughts, really Mm -hmm. so much of our life. Um, Mm -hmm. There's all the trite phrases, you know, like change your thoughts, change your life, but it's true. (laughs) Like if you change your thoughts, you do change your life. Right, right. Because your thoughts become your beliefs and your beliefs become your truths. And so you're going to live out like if you think that you can't control yourself around cookies, like you're not going to because Mm -hmm. you believe that you can't, right? You've told yourself that you can't, so you're never going. But if you tell yourself that like, yeah, other people around me can, can eat cookies, why not me? Like I can do this. Yeah, there's there's structural things that need to happen in your day. Like if you're not eating enough all day long um, and then what's in your cabinet is cookies. Like, yeah, you're going to overeat cookies because you're hungry and that's what's available. But um, yeah, so much of it is really like changing your, changing your beliefs, changing your truths, you know, relearning how you talk to yourself. I want to take a quick break from the episode to tell you about a company I've been impressed by for years. Thrive Market is an online shopping platform that offers thousands of products at 25 to 50% off retail prices. For just $60 a year, you get access to a wide variety of premium pantry staples, supplements, beauty products, and home goods at unbeatable prices. 
To put things in perspective, I save about $20 to $30 per shipment, which means my annual membership fee pays for itself after just two orders. My favorite part about Thrive Market is that for every paid membership, they donate a membership to a low-income family, veteran, or teacher. So not only do you save money on your purchases, but you also make healthy products accessible to everyone. To read my full Thrive Market review, steal my shopping list of over 150 items, and save additional money on your first order, visit thehealthinvestment.com slash Thrive Market, or just click through the link in the show notes. Now, back to the episode. I know you created what you call the undiet method, and it's an all cap. So Mm -hmm. I think it's an acronym. Is that true? Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Can you tell us more about that? Yeah. So um, as you said, the undiet method is, um, it's my signature program and it's a way to learn to eat, to support your physical, mental, emotional, and social health. So when I think about health, I think about all of the different components that might be affected by food, exercise, your body image. So there's lots of other things that might be affecting your health, but those are the ones that, you know, kind of fall into where my work lives. And, um, the, un, the reason I love the word undiet versus something like anti-diet or non-diet is because it signifies to me at least, um, unlearning a lot of the behaviors, beliefs, the things that we were just talking about, like unlearning these truths that are living in your, or taking up residence in your brain and, um, really relearning how to take care of yourself. Um, and so the U is, so it's understand, nurture, discover, implement, enhance, and trust. And so the U is all about like understanding and uncovering those diet rules that are keeping you stuck and unlearning some of those beliefs. Um, and you know, I, I think it's important to note that, you know, you may not be on a diet, but you might still be living by diet rules. So you might not be actually following like, um, a specific diet at the moment, but you still like feel guilty if you eat carbs or you feel guilty if you have dessert or you think, Oh, I shouldn't eat this food. I shouldn't eat at this time of day. Or you try to wait until a certain time for a meal. Those are all rules that are still dictating how you're eating. Um, even if you're not on a diet, um, nurture and the nurture is all about, um, nurturing that connection with your body's hunger, fullness and satisfaction cues. So like reconnecting with your internal wisdom that it was there. If you've ever watched a toddler or a baby, you know, a baby toddler, young kid who hasn't been exposed to diet culture eat, um, it's like really enlightening to see, you know, again, without like rules, they, um, they're really connected with their own hunger, fullness, and satisfaction cues. Like when they're done, they're done. Mm-hmm. My two-year-old will leave ice cream in his bowl. I mean, we, he eats ice cream regularly. Like he leaves, he's like, I'm done. I had enough. I'm moving on to my next thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, or sometimes like, not um, even eat full meals, yeah. right. They're just, yeah. they'll yeah. have a big breakfast, maybe some lunch, skip dinner because there are no yeah. rules in their head. Like you have to eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It's just, they right. eat when they're hungry. Right. 
Exactly. Exactly. Um, and so really, so your body, it's, it's in there. You just have to reconnect with it and we've lost it along the way. Um, and then the D for discover, which is all about discovering the foods and energy foods and eating patterns that improve your energy, reduce cravings, help you feel your best in your body. So like, this is about, you know, there are some core principles of nutrition science that we apply here, but everybody's kind of unique. And so what works for me, is not going to work for you. And so this is discovering like what's best for your individual situation. Um, and then implementing that's where it's like, this is where we bring in all of the different strategies to help solidify those health habits. So, um, a key step for busy moms is like, this is like a really important part for the busy women, anyone who's busy, but like busy moms who feel really overwhelmed with like where to start. Okay. How do I get healthy meals on the table? How do I grocery shop? What do I, do I need to meal prep? Do I need to meal plan? Like, how do I get those meals on the table? Um, how do I get an exercise habit in place? Like if time is really limited. So that's where we bring in the implementation part. Um, enhancing it is the E with all. So food doesn't live in a silo. Um, so we have sleep, stress, movement, all of these things, family life, all these things that are um, affecting your food decisions and um, affecting your body, how you feel in your body affecting your health. Um, so that's where we look to, you know, how can we enhance just like what we're talking about with food. And then lastly, it's T for trust. And that's all about like relearning to trust your body again. This is kind of woven in throughout the process. Um, we learn uh, a body trust. This is a, an area where we also explore a lot of body image and um, what body size mean to you, unlearning beliefs about body size and health. Um, so really regaining that trust in your body, which probably is the hardest part for most people. Um, but it's important to really solidify the process. Yeah. What tools or strategies do you use to help clients manage stress, as you just mentioned, and emotional triggers without mm. resorting to restrictive eating or emotional overeating? I know stress and emotions, that's a biggie. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. Every, I, I have yet to meet a person who doesn't, <laughs> doesn't like have some sort of emotional eating in their life, whether it's stress eating, anxiety eating, um, boredom eating, you know, or the other end of like not eating when they're stressed or anxious, you know, that can, that can come up too for a lot of people. But, um, so, you know, the, the emotional eating, first of all, I like to set the stage that, Emotion, not all emotional eating is bad. And so we have this idea, we've been told again by diet culture that we should never emotionally eat, but food is emotional. And there are times where you just really need a piece of chocolate and that's going to make you feel better. And I think it's important to acknowledge the science of like, there is a chemical reaction that happens in your brain when you eat something with sugar, salt, and fat that like tastes good. It lights up. It lights up an area of the brain that also lights up when someone says, I love you. When you have a hug, get a hug. When you have sunlight, when you, um, you know, hear music you like. So all of this, you know, parts of the brain that bring you joy, it's not necessarily all bad. The problem with emotional eating is when it is your only coping mechanism or your primary coping mechanism, and it's leaving you feeling really bad about yourself. So, 
Um, with coping with emotions without food or, you know, in, we call it, you know, with kindness in the intuitive eating world, it's really about coming at it from a couple of different angles. So to me, coping, if you are, if your primary coping mechanism for any emotion you experience is, um, to eat, that's actually a big signal to me that there's something, there's an unmet need in your life. So baseline self-care, like what are you doing to just take care of yourself and set yourself up to be able to like handle emotions because we need to be able to handle the emotion, right? And sort of take it head on because that's like the next step. And so um, is it that you need some quiet time to yourself? Is it that you need a break from your kids? Is it that you need to set a time in your work day to actually like eat lunch and just like have a few minutes to yourself. Do you need more exercise in your life because you haven't been moving your body? You know, what is, what is this unmet need? So how can we just like baseline have self care? Um, then we kind of like take it to the next level of looking at like, okay, you're going to have these emotions. What their stress, stress comes up. Like everybody has stress in their life. If you have the baseline self care taken care of, what can we do in those moments to, respond in a different way. And we start by just asking yourself, what do I need right now? So, um, sometimes again, that might be like, I just really need a piece of chocolate. Right. Um, but for a lot of times it's like, I may need a hug. I need fresh air. I need to talk to, I need to like talk to my husband about like something that's going on. I need a moment to myself. You know, I need, help, right? Like, what is it? What is it that I need in this moment? Um, where's this stress coming from or emotion? Like, what is this emotion that I'm experiencing? Um, I work with my clients to come up with what we call like a self care toolbox or, um, you know, an emotional eating toolbox and what can they do instead in those moments. And it's important to have more than one thing because, not everything's going to be available. So for example, I I have a client once who, she worked from home. She had a really stressful job, but she worked from home and she like loved to take a bath if she could, when she was like having a really stressful day. And sometimes she did, like she would just stop her, stop her day and like, go take a 30 minute bath. But like, that's not available a lot of the time. Right. Or like (laughs) some, sometimes you like a walk at like a lot of, a big one for a lot of clients. It's like, I just need a fresh air walk outside. But sometimes that's not an option. Like your kids are screaming. You've got little kids. You can't go outside by yourself, right? Like you need something else in that moment. So having kind of like a list of things to go to. Um, and then, um, so, you know, it could be like deep breathing exercises. It could be the walk. It could be texting a friend. It could be, um, putting on some music that you like and having a little dance party. You know, there's a lot of different things we can do in those moments. Um, and then, The last piece of it is actually like, this is probably the hardest part for most people. And it's actually like learning to just sit with the discomfort of emotions. So, you know, we, I don't know about you, but I was raised in a time um, that I think, you know, I think this is changing for kids now with like parenting approaches. And I, I have nothing bad to say about how my parents raised me. It's just, we were sort of like taught that we need to immediately fix feelings Um, and that like maybe feeling sad is not okay. Or maybe feeling angry is not okay. And like, you just got to like kind of shove it away or maybe we were given food 
to like offered food to make us feel better, right? Like food is love, people. And again, nothing, nothing that, that, that parents were doing the wrong thing. It's just, that was the culture, right? And so that sort of has built this belief in you or like just kind of like what happens in your body. Like I've got to fix these feelings. Sometimes like we can't fix it at the moment, right? Sometimes there's, we just need to learn to be able to sit with it. Food's not going to fix it. A walk might not even fix it, right? Um, so a lot of like work around, and that's where a therapist, like having a therapist on a, my team, well, I don't have a therapist on my team, but like working with a therapist, I have lots that I refer to or a lot of my clients, um, that can be a useful tool too because sitting with those emotions can be really hard. Yeah. Outside of hosting this podcast, I work as a nutrition coach specializing in evidence-based sustainable weight loss. If you're ready to stop yo-yo dieting and start living a healthy, active lifestyle you're proud of, I'd love to work with you in one of my programs. Unlike restrictive, one-size-fits-all diets that only provide short-term results, I help you adopt science-backed nutrition and lifestyle habits that work for your unique likes, dislikes, and time constraints so you can lose weight permanently, have high energy throughout the day, feel completely in control of cravings, and stay consistent long-term. To learn more, visit thehealthinvestment.com or follow me on Instagram and TikTok at The Health Investment. What about when something like a vacation or a weekend or a special event like a birthday is a trigger. And in the past, people have felt like I go off the rails when I'm mm-hmm. at these different times of my life. How do you help somebody through that? Does it does it go back to kind of learning the principles that you mentioned that principles of nutrition that help you kind of feel good and regulate hunger and fullness cues. And then you apply that to the vacations and the weekends and the special events, or how do you, how do you approach that? Yeah. So one of the biggest benefits to intuitive eating as a framework and making peace with food is that weekends, vacations aren't, don't need to be significantly different than your every day. And so there's some things that need to change though in like how you approach it. So one of the first things we work on and I that you know would encourage anyone who's on this journey to kind of explore is getting out of the being good during the week and then having a, sort of like a different eating pattern on the weekends. Um, it's like I'm good and then I go off the rails, right? And so getting out of that cycle of um there's good or bad on or off. Um, and so that might mean incorporating some foods that are like typically vacation foods or, um, weekend foods into your weekday. And then maybe weekends also become more like some of the weekdays. So, um, it's not, we're not like differentiating between those things. Right. And when you become an intuitive eater and yes, there are times where like, okay, birthday cake is not available. Like not very many people keep birthday cake in their house. Like, yeah. <laughs> and I'm not encouraging people. I'm not encouraging people to, right. So there's going to be foods that are going to be, um, special occasion foods, but when you're allowing sweets to be part of your normal life and you make peace with them. And again, this doesn't mean that you're eating 
donuts or candy or sugar all day, every day. It's just that they're not restricted. Um, you are able to kind of go to the birthday party and make that decision for yourself around, do I want cake? Does that look good? Is that satisfying to me? How do I feel right now? How do I want to feel afterwards? What, what sounds good to me versus like, oh my God, this is like, I have no, I don't, I don't ever get, get cake. Like your, your brain, even if you're not thinking that your brain's going into like, this is my chance to eat cake. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna. I don't want to get cake again, right? Like um, even if it looks disgusting, it's like gotta right. go for it. And so something that's really cool too, exactly that is like I've had so many clients realize like, ooh, I don't even actually like half the foods that I've been feeling so out of control around, like because I, but I like was I they put it on this pedestal of like. Oh, I can't have that. So then anytime they're around it, they went crazy around it. So then they believed that they couldn't control themselves around it. But actually, like, they don't even want it. They don't even really like it. Um, So learning satisfaction and, like, what foods satisfy you um, is a key part of all of this. And what's cool about that process is that you not only learn what foods, like, really taste good to you and what are going to satisfy you, but you also learn which ones don't and which ones aren't going to satisfy you. And then it's not about restricting those foods. It's just about, it's not really worth it to me, mm-hmm. right? Um, now, all of that said, there are some, like, key things that we talk about in, like, in this process that set you up for those kinds of successes. So, number one, like, making sure that you are – you know, especially early on in the process, but this, because this just becomes like what you do, but eating enough throughout the day, eating balanced meals throughout the day. We're not saving up calories. We're not saving up for the weekend. So it's not a restrict the weeks before I go on vacation so that I can binge. It's I'm going to take care of myself before I go on vacation. And I'm going to take care of myself while I'm on vacation. Vacation might look like a little more of the fun foods, and foods that like I maybe don't eat every day or a lot that often. Um, but I also know that like I'm allowed to have those foods anytime I want. So I don't overeat them. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 How do you support clients in building a positive relationship with cooking and meal prep, especially if they don't like to spend time in the kitchen? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I work with, like I said, moms who don't have a lot of time in the kitchen. Um, some of them have even like lost their love of cooking. Um, Hey, I've been there myself because it's like, yeah, feeding little people is hard. And, um, so, you know, I, a big part of what I do is really meeting people where they're at. So, um, it's coming up with ideas of, okay, how can we, if you don't really like to cook, like what is what does it look like to just put a meal of prepared foods together? What does it look like when you're eating, if you're ordering takeout, like how can you, you know, incorporate the foods that are going to support your health goals and feel good in your body um, without, you know, restricting or whatever, but really like making those choices that are going to help you meet your goals, but within the, the life, you know, constraints that you have. Um, so, you know, a lot of, a lot of the women that I work with also work and they might be eating lunch out at the office or whatever. So it's, you know, making, helping them make decisions around that. But, um, a large part of what I do too is really helping simplify 
the idea of grocery shopping, meal planning, and meal prepping. So um, it's really overwhelming to most people. If you like look online, especially if you're like following these people who have like the perfectly like organized meal prep containers and like, or like spend like hours on a Sunday prepping their meals for the, that's just like, not, I don't want to spend my Sunday doing that. And that's not realistic for certainly not for moms, but like not for most people. Right. Um, and it's not a requirement to be able to eat healthy. So I, um, kind of teach, the people that I work with, how to think differently about what does meal prep look like? So is it just like prep, like cutting a few veggies on a Sunday when you are also chopping veggies for Sunday night dinner so that your Monday night's veggies are like kind of ready to go. So that simplifies dinner on Monday night. Or, um, you know, we use a lot of like meal planning templates in my practice. So helping people kind of just have like a plug and play of like, okay, we know that every Monday night you're making something in the crock pot. So now you don't have to think about what it like, you're not starting from scratch when you're meal planning. And now we have a list of 10 crockpot recipes you live, you love, and you just rotate them. So really simplifying that process um, for people who do want to take the time to cook and um, making it like taking the mental load out of a lot of it. Mm. What's your perspective on exercise and movement in the context of intuitive eating? Yeah. So, you know, we know the benefits of exercise. They're well-documented as a, as part of like physical health, mental health, emotional health. Um, so that's something that, you know, helping my clients like really figure out what kind of exercise is going to work for them is, is key if they're, if health is a priority, right? Um, we look at, we consider it kind of like joyful movement. So the idea being choosing things that you enjoy doing versus choosing activities that you feel like you should be doing. So, um, you know, that may, for some people, it may be things like walking or dancing or jumping rope or going ice skating, um, or hiking, you know, for some people it might be going to a spin class or going to like a body pump class at the gym or orange theory or whatever. Um, so really finding the things that work for you, um, and that you're going to stick with. Mm -hmm. Is there a certain goal in terms of steps or times of exercise or is it fluid? Yeah. So I don't set any guidelines around that for my clients. It's really working with them on what's important to them. So, you know, I work with people who, um, really just like getting out for a 15 minute walk every day is a big feat. Um, because they work, they're driving their kids around to a zillion activities. They've got to, you know, get dinner on the table, you know, all their responsibilities. So that's, and like, then trying to build in like, you know, steps throughout the day if they can to kind of support their health goals. And then I work with people who are training for triathlons who are mm -hmm. like, okay, you know, that's really like joyful movement to me. Um, I like setting goals. Yeah. It's hard, but like that feels good to me. Um, and everywhere in between. So it's not about meeting a specific like idea of this is what you need to do. It's how can we find movement that you enjoy find time in your day to do it and what's realistic for you. So yes, there's some research to suggest that like at least 30 minutes a day is helpful for health, but like 
if you can only get in 15, like that's great. Let's do that. How do you address uh, when a client has a potential weight concern in the framework of intuitive eating? Yeah. Um, Every client has a weight concern in the framework of intuitive eating. So I I shouldn't say that. 99% of my clients have a weight concern. So, you know, it's part of, it's part of what we make space for in our conversations. And so Intuitive eating is a weight neutral approach, meaning that um, it's not a measure of success. Um, We try to take the focus off of changing your body size and put the focus back on building health habits that for some people may lead to a change in their body size in either direction. Um, And so what we, you know, what I work with my clients is really uncovering where those, you know, a lot of body image work on uncovering where those beliefs came from around like body size, health, body image, and like how body confidence. Um, so, you know, if they want to lose, maybe they don't want to lose weight for health, but they want to lose weight because they think that they'll be more confident with the weight loss. Um, they, you know, exploring those beliefs, what has it looked like for them over the years, um, really reflecting on, you know, where, where some of those, um, yeah, beliefs have come from. We explore like value work on like what your body says about your value in the world, what it says about your, you taking up space in the world, what weight loss would mean to you, um, and really helping them kind of navigate any, weight changes that may or may not happen. Um, and yeah, making, making a lot of space, space for those conversations Mm. in our work. One of the final questions I ask each of my guests is in your opinion, what does it mean to make the health investment? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so to me, it's really about, um, tuning, learning to reconnect with your body and listen to your body. So, you know, what is healthy for you is going to be healthy for different than what's healthy for someone else. And what's healthy for you on every, any given one day might be different than any other day. So for some days, what your body may need is rest. Some days your body might really need some like sweat inducing cardio. Some days your body might need some gentle movement. Um, some days your body, you might like what's healthiest for you might be focusing on eating breakfast or adding more vegetables to your plate or, um, you know, really focusing on getting enough protein at lunch so that you're feeling full and satiated. For some people it might, or some days, you know, it might be like the healthiest thing could be eating the cookie. I'm like enjoying it and moving on. So um, really making an investment in yourself to reconnect with yourself, trust yourself, learn your inner cues and um, yeah, know that your body knows best. Hmm. Where can listeners follow and find you? Um, Yeah. So on social media, I am pretty much only on Instagram. It's at busy.mom.nutrition. And my website is Sarah with an H gold 
my old last name, my maiden name, RD. So saragoldrd.com. You can learn all about, you know, my, the undiet method working with me. I have a blog there with lots of additional free content, um, a free guide on taking control of sugar cravings. So lots of like great info on there. Oh, awesome. And I know you write for different publications. Don't you as well? And are those linked on your website too? Because some of those are Yeah. Yeah. So if you go to the media section, um, it says in the media at the top bar, there's lots of articles. Um, I write a lot about like food, supplements, fitness, that kind of stuff. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Sarah, for sharing all of your wisdom and guidance with us today. I learned a lot myself and I know listeners did as well. And we all look forward to staying connected with you off air. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It was nice chatting with you. Well, that's all for today. Thanks again for joining me here on the Health Investment Podcast. I'm so grateful for each and every one of my listeners. On your way out, remember to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. See you next week. All content in this podcast was created for general informational purposes only by a non-physician. None of the content should serve as a substitute for professional medical advice, treatment, or diagnosis. Always consult a qualified health provider with any questions regarding a medical condition and before making changes to your diet, lifestyle, and or exercise programs. Do not disregard any professional medical advice you have received or postpone seeking such advice because of something you heard on this podcast.